Good morning, Life Church. I have the pleasure of getting to read um, our passage from Ecclesiastes this morning before we get started. If you'd like to open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, I'll give you a moment to turn there. Right after Proverbs, we're in Ecclesiastes, starting in chapter 9. I'm going to read verse 1 through 12. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, so that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are, e are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward. For the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished. And forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that, is, that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Again I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. Well, good morning, Life Church. My name is Matt Evans, if we haven't had the opportunity to meet, and I'm one of your elders at this church. And this morning, I kind of wanted to welcome you guys into some conversations that I've been having when I've been preparing for this morning. And often the question that I get is, are you ready? How are you feeling? Um, and those conversations are with my wife as well. And, and my response has been, I'm kind of excited. I'm kind of excited and thankful that we're here in Ecclesiastes in this season. And my wife, she's looked at me like, you're, you're weird. You're crazy. And, and you might be saying to yourself, well, Matt, isn't that just kind of how she always looks at you? And that, that would be a fair observation. But in this particular instance, Ecclesiastes has just given us an opportunity in a season that just feels like joy and hope has been totally removed, totally stripped away, Ecclesiastes gives us an opportunity to just focus our eyes on what really matters. 
Well, I also want to kind of welcome you guys into an Evans family tradition. And on Friday nights, the Evans family, well, we do movie night. And movie night at the Evans family, at our home, is accompanied by something that is considered to be deeply sacred, all right? And this deeply sacred thing is popcorn. But this popcorn is special, right? My mom, or I'm sorry, not my mom, my wife, that was a a flub, but (laughs) my wife, she pops it with bacon grease, she pops it with, I mean, tons of butter and and just the right amount of salt and and garlic powder, it is delicious. I once made the mistake of uh, asking my girls, hey, can we, uh, can we just skip popcorn and get straight to our movie tonight? And they looked at me like, dad, we can skip you. And so since then, I haven't made that mistake. So once we've got our, our two massive bowls of popcorn, one for me and my girls and then one for my wife, well, we sit down and we start to enjoy our movie. And, and about 20 or 30 minutes into that movie, that's when the injustice happens. Okay, one of my girls, well, she has to get up and use the restroom. And when she gets back, think that dun, dun, dun moment in a movie, the popcorn is gone. And she's like, this is not fair. Where is my popcorn? Well, all jokes aside, we are back in Ecclesiastes talking about things like injustice and some challenging topics. We're once again back in Ecclesiastes looking at a passage that at its first reading, well, it can seem a bit bleak or pessimistic. Again, we have the the preacher telling us that it's all vanity, and then you die. We're also face-to-face with Scripture that, that, that tell us that it's not always the righteous that are rewarded, but ultimately that the same thing happens to both the good and the bad. This same thing that happens to both is death. Death comes for both the righteous and unrighteous. Philip Ryken puts it this way in his commentary, Death is the great leveler, that no matter how well we live, our time on earth will end in death. In the words of one bumper sticker, eat well, stay fit, and die anyways. Church, we know that this hard reality is true because we are faced with it even as we follow the news today, don't we? Even now we can look around in our culture and see the pain of injustice. We see, the, we see folks clearly deserve one thing. They receive something totally different. We see the pain of senseless racism and we can say a hearty amen to the madness that can ensue because of it. When, when it says that in the middle of verse 3, that madness is in the hearts of man. This is the case no matter what side of the political or cultural spectrum that you fall on. No matter how well that you've understood current events and therefore responded appropriately, the same is true for all of us. You will die. Right about now, you could be saying to yourself, geez, Matt, thanks for the good word or, or thanks for the uplifting message, but hold on. I want us also to rejoice and praise God and celebrate the fact that our scripture today, it points us to, it offers us hope. You see, while the preacher in Ecclesiastes again and again warns us that this is all vanity and that we cannot find lasting hope in our resources, our accomplishments, or our plans, the reality is that in knocking our legs out from underneath us, the preacher gives us an opportunity to see where hope lies. 
You see, while Solomon ponders what it's all worth and, and what is the true meaning of life, he doesn't have the benefit of writing this in light of the cross. So that's one reason that we'll look beyond Ecclesiastes. While Ecclesiastes forces us to, to ask questions of how we will live life under the sun, it also pushes us to open our eyes and see where lasting meaning, hope, and joy can be found. It's in this hope we find joy and peace that cannot and it will not be stripped from us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to gather and sing your praises, to be reminded of this fact that when, every, when everything seems hopeless, we have hope that cannot be removed from us, Lord. Our hope is in you. Lord, help us, help us see clearly this morning through your word what maybe is just getting in the way of that fact, what we're foolishly placing hope in, and just reorient our minds and our hearts to, to you, Lord. Heavenly Father, would you speak through your word? Would you encourage us where we need to be encouraged? Would you rebuke us where we need rebuking? Ah, we love you. We thank you and praise you for loving us. In your precious holy name, amen. As we look at our scripture today, we see the preacher reflecting that once again, man cannot know God's ways or control his own fate. He does this again and again by pointing out that it's not man's accomplishments or efforts or righteousness that, that steer the boat. We see this clearly in verses 1 through 3. Then he reinforces that later on in 11 and 12. And it's this theme that man isn't in control that he seems to keep coming back to time and time again. Because apparently we just need to hear this more than once. It just doesn't sink in easily. Man doesn't control his fate. I said it. No matter how many Tony Robbins books you read or, or how many workout regimens you adhere to or how many degrees that you accumulate, you will not ultimately have the final say. And this isn't something that naturally sits well with me. It's not an easy pill for me to swallow. In fact, most of the time, when I encounter an obstacle, when I encounter something difficult, my solution to that is just hard work, right? Or my, life, my wife laughed at this in first service. If, if, the doctors, if it's an illness and the doctor says, hey, look, you need lots of rest, vitamin C, and drink lots of water. Well, my solution is I'm going to guzzle that whole bottle of vitamin C. I'm going to drink our well dry. Not so good at the rest part, but more is better and it'll get me better sooner, right? Man isn't in control. And this is something that we need reminding of. Proverbs 19.21 tells us this. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Then we see it in Isaiah, this acknowledgement that the Lord sits on high in heavens as in, and orchestrates it all. Also, his mind is not like ours. And I don't know about you, but I say... Thank goodness for that fact. Isaiah, Isaiah 55, 8 through 11 says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Church, we can be frustrated at times at the fact that it's not us that's ultimately in control, but, and, and that God's ways are not even understood. This can be particularly difficult when we consider what Solomon is writing here in 2 and 3, that both the good and the evil, they share the same fate. That the right, one way to put it would be that the righteous, well, they just get flooded out with the wicked when heavy storms come. We see this clearly in our own lives, don't we? Good friends that we love and that they love the Lord, sometimes they get cancer. Or it's beautiful children that are innocent and, and look, they don't have a consistent loving home at all times. I could go on and on and I know you could too. Ecclesiastes tells us that the same event happens to all. And I want to say in the middle of what seem, might seem like dark news, that we have a good God who loves and cares for us and wants what's best for us. Friends, we're helped if we look back at verse 1 in the first sentence where he speaks of the righteous, stating that their deeds are in the hand of God. This God does hold the whole world in his hands. And in the first service I sang uh, that gospel song, he's got the whole world in his, hand, in his hands, and I will not uh, put you guys through that. This may be hard to remember or believe at this particular time in history, but we know who our God is, who he will always be. He is the same God who is faithful and good to his people, the Israelites, when they demanded a king in their image instead of following him as he is. He's the same God that while we were still sinners in rebellion to a perfect high and righteous king, Christ died for us. Friends, while it may be hard for us to accept that it's not us, but him who is in control, we can find rest and hope here. Our God does not change. We have all likely read Hebrews 13, 8, and if you would like to say this with me, please do. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, Ecclesiastes does this job of, of reminding us that it's not our work, our plans, or anything that we can muster up that ultimately determines our outcome. Often, those things aren't even capable of steering our lives. And I do want to acknowledge this is not an easy thing to accept. This can be difficult for me. It can be difficult for all of us. But consider with me how Paul a man that God used to write much of the New Testament, well, he struggled with some of these same things as far as not understanding the mind of the one who is in control. Look with me at Romans 11, 33 through 34. Oh, the depth of riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Church, 
Isn't it comforting to know that the word of God, the very words that he had recorded to reveal his story and him to us, well, they, they, they include some of those same pondering, some of those same questions that we struggle with ourselves. Rather than getting caught up in the panic of the day, maybe because of coworkers or friends and family, certainly our media telling us that Everything is out of control and headed in the wrong direction. Let's consider this. Let's consider where Solomon's quest to understand the meaning of life led him. That while we cannot understand the ways of God, we are invited into rest. Content with our own limitations to enjoy his gifts. He wants us to enjoy these gifts and worship our God, for his superior wisdom. Church, we're not in control, and this is a good thing. Why? Because we have a good God who has absolute, perfect, and loving control of it all. We could not dream of holding every atom and molecule together in concert with what we have on our plates. So in this season, where everything seems to be out of control, where everything seems hopeless, Let's remember this and praise him for this fact. The second thing that I want us to consider today is this. Where do we find hope? Where have you found hope? And I'm not talking about what you like or or what you prefer or enjoy in life, but rather what you know to be true. What brings you peace? What can be foundational? What can be an anchor in times, in dark days that life will bring? Look at what the preacher says here in 4, verses 4 through 6. But he, he who is joined with the living have hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished. And forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Church, once, once again with just a quick reading, we could be saying, Matt, didn't you just uh, talk about hope and now we're talking about death and, and dead lions? Or on the flip side, it's, it's okay, we only get one shot, enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy life while it lasts. Carpe diem, right? But let's consider why it's better and what the Holy Spirit is writing through Solomon. Let's consider that the writer says it's better to be a living dog than a dead lion. Kind of a weird thing to say in today's day and age, isn't it? The implication here is everyone would always choose to be compared to or likened to a lion than a dog. But in in today's day and age, dogs are our pets. So why would it be bad to be a dog, right? Dogs are pets that are doted on and, and a part of the family. And kiddos, earmuffs. Sometimes even more important part, of, important part of the family than kids. And if you don't believe me, just look at plenty of the Instagram accounts and there you go. But dogs were not looked at as they are today when this was written. They were scavengers akin to rats. Filthy, mangy things that, that were just a nuisance. At times, Jews referred to to heathens as filthy dogs. 
Dogs were lowly creatures that nobody wanted to be characterized as. So the writer here is saying that it's better to be a thing that is looked at as being disgusting and worthless rather than a praised, revered thing like a lion. Why? That's a good question. Because of judgment. The writer has already made it clear that we are all headed in the same direction, at least on earth, and that is death. And then after that, we will all experience what comes after death, and that's judgment. Chapter 9 of Hebrews, verse 27, Paul says it so clearly. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes death. You see, as much as Solomon poses some difficult questions and ponderings, he prepares us and equips us with a better perspective of how to live life while we are here. But he also prepares us for death. Church Ecclesiastes prepares us to die well. Here it reminds us of something that we spend so much time trying to ignore and avoid. And it's this. Death is coming. And the reason that we have hope why, and the reason that it is better to be a reviled living thing rather than a revered, respected dead thing is that while we are here, while we are joined with the living, we have the opportunity to take full advantage of our Lord's saving grace. Please hear this, and many of you know this already. This is the best news possible. I want to be clear that if you're here, if you're listening, if you're listening online, you are in this group that it's better to be in. You are in this group that has hope. Ecclesiastes has made it plain that there are plenty of places that we can unsuccessfully look to to find hope and peace. And it primes us for this message of hope in our Savior. Hebrews 10, 19 through 23 says this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true heart, with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, and listen, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Church, we need this right now. He who promised is faithful. Church, while you have breath in your lungs, you have hope. You have hope in this work accomplished on the cross. This hope is in Christ's blood reconciling you and justifying you before a perfect and righteous king. Our third point that we see in our scripture today is the preacher kind of coming back to this same notion that, and he's reminding us that we're just not in the driver's seat. That as much as we try or, or think we're in control, we're not. Friends, our efforts, how hard we work, how ethically we do that work, our abilities, our resources, those things by themselves cannot and will not provide for us. Let's listen again to the preacher in 11 through 12. He says this, Again I saw that under the sun the, ra the race is not to the swift, 
nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, or like birds that are caught up in a snare. So the children of men are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. I received a, a difficult phone call about a week ago. And while I was not prepared or ready for the trouble and the pain that this call caused, the, the pain that I felt just did not compare to what the Gonzalez family has felt in these past few weeks. The call that I received was to let me know that um, this family that I had grown up with for, and became so close to, well, they had just lost their mom. Let me tell you a bit about Kathy. Kathy Gonzalez was one of those moms that it did not matter who the kid was to her. She just made every single kid feel like they were safe and at home. She was an incredible wife who took selfless care of her husband when his health began to fail. She was a fantastic friend. She was a faithful follower of Christ who worked at a Christian campground for years and years providing care for folks when they spent time there. Then after that, she was a, a hospice worker providing critical care for folks in their last days. My mom is here tonight. She had the pleasure of working with her. The most important thing that I can tell you about Kathy was that she was a follower of Christ. She was a child of God. You see, while this was a painful and terrible experience for her family and friends, her Heavenly Father was not surprised or shaken by this news. While nobody can look at this sweet woman's life and say, that makes sense. She was a, a reckless person. She was unhealthy. Or, or maybe she was unkind, and so she got what was coming to her. No, 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 absolutely not. On the contrary, she was a kind, generous, loving woman. And she was relatively healthy. Who She just happened to have an artery burst in her heart. Friends, we can likely all think of a similar story in our own lives. Sadly, I'm not speaking of something that is unique to the Gonzalez family. We all experience situations in our life where we're just saying, Lord, why? This doesn't make sense. This is not fair. In his providence, in his grace, here we find ourselves in this season in Ecclesiastes where the Lord is reminding us that it's not us but him who is in control, that we cannot subvert, manipulate, or control his sovereignty. We also see hope. We see here as, as many places in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's like a neon sign saying, stop placing hope in things that will not last. And it's, and it's when we start placing hope in the one thing that will last that we can actually start enjoying these gifts, God's gifts as he wants us to, as he clearly desires us to and points us to in our scripture today. 7 through 10 says this, Go, eat your bread with joy, drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. 
Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. And enjoy life with the wife whom you love. <laughs> you see, for the believer, there's not only hope and joy to be found here. Here we have our scripture pointing us to enjoy these gifts that God has given us, understanding that it's him who gives us, them to us and him who gives us meaning and lasting joy. Band, you guys can come on up. Friends, Ecclesiastes does this job of for forcing us to look at where we find joy and where we place our hope. So I'll ask you those same questions. Where have you been finding joy? Where have you placed your hope? Is it in things getting back to normal? Is it in who wins this election? Is it in a vaccine? Or is it in a savior who offers unshakable peace? Romans 9, 16 says this, so it then depends not on human will or exertion, but in God who has mercy. If you have trusted in this mercy like Kathy Gonzalez did, then praise God that you are using this time well while you are joined with the living, that you have an opportunity to see what is vapor and what will last. If this has been a season for you where you've just been struggling to see where, where joy and hope can be found, or maybe you have not trusted in this mercy, in this Savior who gave it all and offers you hope that will last, a relationship with Him and an opportunity to live completely surrendered to His Lordship and peace, start that conversation. Reach out to us online. You can go to the contact session, fill out a connection card. You can find this at lifechurchnc.com slash live. An elder, a pastor, a staff member would love the opportunity to talk with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for placing us here the opportunity to gather and sing your praises, to, to, to be in your word, to, to be reminded that hope, our only hope is in you. And in this season where so much seems hopeless, would you just awaken us to that fact, to that hope that can never and will never be stripped from us. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In your name, amen.